I call this sermon the perspective of more. We've been in a sermon series. What does that mean? We're taking, we took six weeks to talk about the same idea of more. Wherever you're at, God is pushing you to more. Wherever you've been, God wants to take you further. I believe what got you here won't, won't get you there. God has you here right now. You're in your life. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're walking. Maybe you're crawling to God. Maybe you're just, just flat on the floor. Wherever you are, come on, God has more for you. There's never this, this part in a relationship with God where you have arrived. We say arrived Christians, uh, they don't know who Jesus is. Because there's always this just transformation process happening in God. And, and God's kind of always pushing us to more. And, and tonight the last week of the sermon series, I wanted to talk about the perspective of more. What does that mean? That means that we ought to have a perspective of more. Amen? We, we ought to we see things one way, but then in the spirit, let our perspective turn things to more. I've been given a bad report, and yes, these are the facts, but my perspective of more allows me to see things in faith. I see things as dead. My, my, my situation is dead. My situation is broken. There's no hope, and that's seeing it through the facts, but i got to start seeing things through faith. And i got to start having a perspective, not of less, but a perspective of more. Perspective, here's the definition of the word perspective, a, a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a, a point of view. Somebody say a point of view. Can I tell you, uh, you can take it off. I, I think most of us, most of the leadership in this church, and I think me personally, I've tried to be a person that always has the perspective of more. Like, uh, like I like where young adults is at right now, but I'm thinking about when we're at the couple thousands that we can't fit in this room. I like the worship team. It's awesome, but I can't wait to see 30 people up here come on with guitars and, and cellos and violins and oh my God, who can't, who, I can't wait for that orchestra every worship. Come on, you got to have a perspective of more. You got to have a perspective of, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy of where I'm at, but I'm not where I want to be. And, and I see things where they're at, but I know that there's more. And I know that God is working. And I think that song that we're singing tonight is just super prophetic because it's right in line. We didn't even plan this. It's right in line with the sermon tonight. Somebody say, a perspective. Somebody say, a perspective of more. Look at the person next to you and say, you look good. Look at the other person next to you and say, you smell amazing. What is that? Amen. You guys look good tonight. Can I tell you, we have like the flyest church in the world. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm trying not to faint from all the just beauty. See the world, the, 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 we, we, live by, we, we live by the spirit, amen? We, we don't live on the flesh. The flesh is when you, you're, at, you're by the stove, you get stung, and you know, how many of you guys ever cooked with too much oil, too much aceite, you know what I'm saying? It starts bouncing at you. Anybody have oil bounce on them and it feels like you're in hell for like a second? It's so hot, it's cold. Did that ever happened to you? Like, but it was cold. Why is it hot? Where was I going with that? Here's where I was going with this. If you ever gotten hurt by, by, by the stove, you understand that's your flesh being hurt. Here's the thing. We, don't not, we have flesh, but inside of us there's a spirit. And, and, and this is a spiritual gathering tonight. Come on. You can't see it, but you believe it. You saw a screen, but God was in this place tonight, was he not? You're worshiping, to, you can't, you don't know where, who we, we're worshiping to God. You can't see him, but you feel him. And he sees your worship, and, and, he, and he blesses you. He honors you. He, he begins to establish a relationship. None of this is what you can see. All of this is what you can spiritually sense and feel. Amen? So tonight, a lot of your spiritual eyes have been woken up again. Some of you guys have coming in on, on kind of like your last string of spirituality, and tonight, 
God just kind of just set a new fly, a fire in your life. That's what he's doing. You got you to understand. We talked about that last week. I, I know he's working for me. I know that I, I, he's healing me as I'm moving forward, as I'm walking. Amen? So we have this perspective of more, and, and the world lives on the flesh, but we live by the spirit. The world lives on lust. We live on love. The world rushes to, to get lust things, right, by the flesh. What can satisfy me as quick as possible? What can make me feel so good? What can I do right now to just give me two minutes of pleasure? Right? That's the world, but that's not the church. That's not people of faith. We don't run towards lust. We run towards love. Love is a decision. Through thick and thin, I'm going to love you no matter what the situation is. That's the love that God's shown us. Is it not that you failed him and he still loves you? That you turned your back on him and the door is still open? That you feel like the worst person ever, but you're qualified for Jesus' love? He loves you no matter what. He decided to love you, and he showed us what that was was when he loved us so so there's this there's kind of like this paradox right that we're in the world and they're seeing things in the perspective of, of flesh they're seeing things right we, we see things as, as I'm, I'm gonna give right on Tuesday nights we give right we give to God not only our voices and our worship and our time but come on we give to him of our finances right we give to God God I believe you're gonna bless this God I believe this is for you God I'm gonna be obedient to what you've given to me and I'm gonna give it right back how many guys believe in tithing come on 10% of everything we got we're gonna give it to God right so the spiritual says give but the flesh says take the world says take spirit says give the world says take the spirit says be humble the world says be prideful the spirit says be last the world says be first right and isn't isn't it amazing to jesus we serve right he didn't come to be served but he came to serve and that's just, people didn't know he was, he was the son of the living God. They didn't know he was the Messiah that came because they said, if he was the Messiah, why wouldn't he come in a chariot? Why wouldn't he come with a kingdom? Why wouldn't he come, you know, just out of the, out of the heavens and, and out, like, you know, just like with this, all this, like, you know, man chest hair kind of growing all over the place and long wig with blue eyes. And he's just, like, floating like, I'm the son of God, right? Like, why didn't he come with all glory? He came in glory, but in a manger, in a humble place. Can I tell you, the moment you activate in pride you look the least like Jesus but it's when you understand the power of humility when you understand the power of not myself but others before me that is what living by faith is we have this perspective of the world but we need to start having the perspective of more somebody say perspective of more so my girlfriend's house the other day someone lost the back of an earring ladies is that the worst when you lose those things they're so small I don't know how you find it the world's over if you lose that thing in high school you ever seen the erasers behind them i was on that side of the on that side of the street y'all you know what, I mean? what are the erasers doing girl stop look at the front look at the front don't look behind me i was in my girlfriend's house uh somebody lost an earring the back of an earring i had walked in and 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 it was about like 15 minutes of looking for the thing on the whole i was like where is it like it's around this whole area here it's like okay so it's the back of the earring and this is how I found it. I found it in, I found it in two seconds. Kind of in two seconds. They were looking at it through this perspective, but I learned something. Um, when you get, I'm gonna get down on the floor. When you can't, when you get eye level with something, kind of you see everything sticking out of the floor. I promise you, if you ever lose something, you're welcome. <laughs> if you get eye level with the floor. Just a little peek, like I see something right now on the floor, and I pick it up. This I didn't I didn't see this up until I got into a new perspective. I was it I was in the I got dirty. Who cares? I was in 
Parnell feet. I was in, insider. I, I was in the kitchen, and what took 20 minutes to find something with the right perspective took me one second to find it. Next time you lose something, I dare, try it when you get home. Go on your counter and, 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 and just look at your counter and then get eye level with your counter. See how dirty you are. This counter is so, I, I made a sandwich on this counter. What? Is, sorry. I got eye level with the floor. I saw it in two seconds. Why? Because my perspective was different. You're looking at things how they are, but how about you start looking at things at how God sees them? You see yourself as, as, as this is who I am. I am who I am. I can't be changed. I can't be molded. I, some of you guys came to the church real mad. In two weeks, you're hugging everybody. You know, hey, how you doing? Now you doing? Right? Because I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And, and it's because my perspective that when I got to a certain level, when I got to a certain position in my mind and in my heart, I promise you, you'll start seeing things for how they truly are. You'll start seeing things the way God sees them. You can walk into a dead end, literally a dead end and say, no, God is for me and not against me. You can be in the worst moment of your life maybe you push to opposition maybe you push to division maybe it's a hard breakup can I tell you there's something on the other side of that thing whatever it is you fill in the blank you got to get to a new perspective that God works all things for my good not just the good things but the bad things he's working for my good anybody believe that tonight come on anybody full of faith in this room you can thank God tonight that he gives us a perspective of more Things are how they are, but they're not how they really are. I'm not going to see things and take things as face value, but I'm going to believe that God's actually doing something bigger. In a new perspective, you, you begin to see things that are there and aren't there. In a new perspective, you begin to see that there is a fullness in serving the living God because he's working for you and he's with you. See, if the enemy can cover your eyes, he can, he can stop your life. If the, enemy, if the enemy can make you, make you believe that this is the end of the line, this is the end of the road, your life is over, and you listen to the lie of the enemy, you, your, your path will actually lead to destruction. But man, if you see things with a perspective of faith, man, if you see things with a perspective of more, you can say, Lord, in a good season, in a bad season, I know you're for me. When things are going my way, when things are on the highway, I know that you're with me, and I know that you love me. Can I get a better amen tonight in the house of God? In other words, you're asking for God to change the situation when God's about to change your perspective. God, change the situation. No, no, no. I'm going to change where, how you're looking at things. And sometimes you got to get low. I mean on your knees low. Like, God, I've been seeing my life how it is, but I'm going to start seeing things the way you see them. God, change my situation. God's like, I'm going to change you. God, change my parents. No, no, no. I'm going to make you a better son. God, change my job. Change my boss. Save him, Lord. I'll save him, but I'm going to make you a better employee. I'm going to make you on time. I'm going to make you better. I'm going to change you. I'm going to mold you so that the people around you, your life will speak about me more than your words. Woohoo! I wasn't even going there. You guys got Daniel 3 open? If you have a say amen. Daniel 3 verses 4 to 6 is the Old Testament. It is an amazing happening right now. It's an amazing happening. Uh, I don't want you to put the, oh, keep this verse up, actually. Yeah, just this verse. So, so Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. Can I give you some background what's happening right now in the text? It, 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 it's kind of like this really big king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and his name is super long, so we're just going gonna to call him King Neb. Amen? Somebody say King Neb. King Neb. All right, let's give him a little nickname. Amen? 
The Bible has some interesting names, right? King Neb. So King Neb, he, he's kind of taking over the land. He sees himself as, as bigger than God. He sees the God, the God of Israel, the real God, the God God's people, right? The, the God of the Bible. He sees that God not as a big, strong, almighty God. He sees him as a lowercase g, as a God, right? He's just one of many. It's the God of the God of the people of Israel, but then there's the God of the sun, the God of the, the, the waves and the water, and the God of the trees, the God of nature. So in this time, there's a lot of gods. And this dude says, I'm going to build my own God. I'm going to build a statue. And at a certain point, at a certain day, when the trumpet sound, the music begins to happen, here's my command to the whole nation. You must bow to my statue. My golden statue, you must bow to it. Let's read it. Come on, verse 4 to 6. Let's read it. It says, then he, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every tongue, right? So he's yelling, nations and people of every tongue, this is what you are commanded to do. Verse 5, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lure, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Neb had set up. Verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Somebody say immediately. So he puts a consequence. If you don't bow down to my, my statue, my gold statue, I'm going to put you in a furnace. I'm going to burn you alive. It's the consequence for not listening to me. That's a consequence of listening to your God. Can I tell you, in 2018, there's not a gold statue in Kissimmee. There's not a gold statue in L.A. There's not a gold statue in New York. There's a spiritual statue. You can't see it with your eyes. I mean, there's a spiritual statue of lust, a spiritual statue of pride, and different things of the world that we're bound down to every day. You don't know it. You don't think you are. But the more you indulge in sin and in the world, you begin to bow to different things. And that's where we are in this modern-day world. Here's the thing. In this modern-day world, it's a spiritual statue. And no, you don't get physically burned. But here's the thing. If you're bowing down to the things of the world... It's not that you'll be destroyed physically immediately, right? But you'll be destroyed spiritually. How did I end up all in this bad relationship and ended up worse? How did I get into this drug and ended up more broke, more worse, more defected? How did I end up into this negative thing, this sin, this lustful thing? How did I jump into it and now I'm worse? That's because this is the effects, the spiritual effects of living a life in sin. But new birth, we are not people of sin and flesh. We are people of holiness, righteousness, and the... And the things of the Lord. So that's kind of what's happening. And, and this is how these dudes, these three Hebrew boys, right? Imagine. Thousands of people. The music starts happening. Everybody starts. You like that? Everybody starts bowing down one by one. Bowing down, bowing down. Imagine three dudes out of nowhere just standing up. Thousands of people are bowing because they don't want to die. And three Hebrew boys that believe in the God of the Bible stand up. And they say, listen, I, I don't care what you got coming my way. I'm going to serve Jesus, the one and only God out there. I don't care if it leads me to trouble. Can I tell you, saying yes, saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to get better. It just means you're going to get better. Life might get worse, but God's calling you to see things in a new perspective. And, and imagine three dudes standing up amongst like thousands of people bowing down. And that's where we pick up. Can you fast forward Daniel chapter 3? Can you jump to verse 16? Can you jump to verse 16? Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. 
Come on, lean in with the person next to you. It's not on the screens. Verse 16. Let's read it together. Do you have it? Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Give you some time. If you have it, say amen. amen. Here's what it says. Here's what their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar. They said, King Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Paul's right there. Paul's right there. Paul's right there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's a new perspective. Stop trying to defend yourself. Leaders, stop trying to defend yourself. Christians, stop trying to defend yourself. A lot of us come to Jesus and we come, become fighters. But God's called you to fight a different battle. And we got to get to a place where we understand that Jesus is my defender. Somebody say, Jesus is my defender. That's the first comment to King Nebuchadnezzar. King Neb, you want us to bow down, but can I tell you something? Jesus is my defender. You're coming against me, and you kind of got these rules against me, and you're going to bring me to a moment that I got to make a decision. If it's bow down and choose God, I'm going to choose God, and I know you got some consequences for me, but can I tell you, you're not fighting me. You're fighting the God that I serve. Can I tell you, you're not battling me. You're battling the God that loves me and holds me. Next time someone gives you attitude and you feel like hitting them, I need you to toughen up in the spirit and say, I'm not going to fight you. Jesus fights my battles. He is my defender. I don't have to defend myself against people. I don't have to put my fists up. I just got to put my hands up and say, God, I believe you're stronger than me. I believe you're better than me. I believe there's a way to work this. You are my defender. I was in a drive-thru the other day. A girl tried to cut me off in the drive-thru. Almost hit my car. My girlfriend's car. So even worse. Right? She puts the window down. I'm like, ma'am. She's like, hit me. I'm like, I'm not going to hit you. Said some other things. I was encouraging her to be better. No lie. Can I be real? Dan is my witness. I was like, be better for your family. I was trying to throw some things out. <laughs> if I were in your shoes, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hit me. I'm not going to hit you. I don't fight against people. I fight against principalities. I fight against demons and devils. The devil that's been whispering to you, telling you're not enough, that's who I'm fighting. The Bible says in Ephesians, this battle is not against flesh and blood. This battle is against spiritual forces, evil forces that are coming against us. But man, we need to get to a place where we understand that Jesus is my defender. Jesus fights my battles. Psalms 18.2 says, the Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protection and with him I am safe he protects me like a shield he defends me and he keeps me safe I don't have to clap back God is clapping back for me I don't have to discard you I don't have to hurt you I don't have to hit you I don't have to tweet you I could block you but I don't gotta hit you because God is fighting for me he is for me and not against me he sees my enemies and he sets a table in the presence of my enemies Jesus is my defender somebody say he's my defender he's my defender this is how I fight my battles I fight my battles on my knees when there's something I want to get happen I go to my spiritual father and I say Lord if you could do this do it Lord if you can help me help me Lord if you can step in step in can I tell you, because you're Christian, the enemy sees you as a target. He's going to start throwing people at you with nasty attitudes. Just, and God's going to say, you need to change your perspective. This is not a trial. This is a test. Yeah. 
It's a test. I lost my voice. You got to see things in a new perspective. I don't have to fight my battles. I don't got to come against people with my words. I don't got to rough people up. Jesus is my defender. He fights my battles. Man, how dare the world come against the bride of Christ? We, we're not worried about consequences. There's an ultimate consequence for those who don't want Jesus. And we love him. Jesus preaches this. Many people don't like it, but he preaches it. Pray for your enemies. Step deeper. Love your enemies. Jesus is my defender, right? Let's go back to verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Let's keep reading. Come on. It's a school night. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Neb, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Verse 17, watch this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Not only is Jesus your defender, number two, Jesus is my deliverer. I'm in church and I got this addiction. God wants to deliver you. I'm in church and I believe in God and there's this thing I'm struggling with. There's this thing I'm dealing with that no one knows. Maybe my best friend. Maybe my mom because she caught me. There's some things I'm dealing with that no one sees. And some of us come into church and we say, God, I love you, but I'm still in bondage. God, I love you, but I'm still in chains. God, I love you, but there's something else that's calling my attention. And we don't think that God can actually deliver us from it. We don't think that God can actually break you from it. Can I encourage you? First John. John chapter 5 verses 4 through 5 for everyone born of God overcomes the world somebody say I'm an overcomer you're not supposed to live in addiction you're supposed to live in freedom and for everyone born of God you believe in Jesus you have overcome the world he answers his own question who is that that overcomes the world who is it only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God you see, if you don't believe in Jesus, you, you'll, you'll, stay, you'll stay being overcome by people. You'll stay being overcome by circumstances. You'll stay being overcome by one wave when you're supposed to ride the wave and sending you back to where you started. And God is saying, listen, I've sent you my son. Believe in him. Love him. Have faith in him. And can I tell you, you are not supposed to be in bondage, but you're supposed to be an overcomer. Jesus is not only my defender, he's my deliverer. He delivers me from things. Notice, go back, uh, back to verse 17. He will deliver us from what? The majesty's hands. Deliverance means that you were in someone's hands, but now you're in God's hands. Deliverance means I was once in the hands of addiction. I was once in the hands of things that was holding me down. I was once in the hands of something that was controlling me. But because of my faith in Jesus, I overcome it. And now I am in the hand of God. Now I am a child of God. Now I am a son and daughter of God. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I once was in the hand of something else. But now I am in the hand of God. I have been delivered from where I was. I'm not where I want to be but I'm not where I used to be and I'm moving forward man can I tell you if you had this perspective that God is your deliverer some of you guys are still addicted because you don't believe that you can be delivered the only thing that'll push you towards deliverance it's your faith that God can do it if you're doubting God you're questioning God man make that process better give faith believe in God give give him all of your attention give him all of your belief give him all of your faith and you'll watch him begin to deliver you out of things in your life. 
What is it that some of us need deliverance from? What is it that the enemy is presenting to you that is false, it is wicked, and it leaves you more empty than when you got into it? God wants to deliver you from it. God doesn't want you to live addicted. God doesn't want you to live in bondage. God wants you to live in freedom. And this is for somebody tonight. You need to remind yourself this next point. I am in God's hands. I am. Every day, wake up and tell yourself that. I'm in God's hands. I'm not in the hands of addiction. I'm not in the hands of the enemy. I'm not in the hands of my foes. But God's got me. If I slip up, Lord, I know I'm falling in the palm of your hands. Lord, if I fall down, and I know you don't want perfection, Lord. But Lord, if I slip up, I know I'm slipping up in your hands. I'm delivered. I'm whole. And I'm here. Not only is Jesus my defender and my deliverer, Verse 16, let's read together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter, because Jesus is my defender. For thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. He's my deliverer. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I was once in your hands, but now I'm in God's hands. Verse 18, but even if he does not save us from the furnace... We want you to know your majesty. Still got respect. You see that? Some of you guys would have said it different. Let you, let you know. Beep, beep. That's the ghetto version. This is the real version. We want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. What are the key words in this verse? What is the key word in their perspective? They see Jesus not only as their defender. They see Jesus not only as their deliverer. But when you say, God, even if you don't save me, I wish we had 200 people that had that perspective. Next time, someone, someone delivers you negativity. Someone delivers you a lost cause. Someone says, you're about to go into the worst moment of your life. And we're saying, God, can you, can you do something? You're my deliverer. You're my defender. But then something has to happen inside of you. Here's a new perspective. But God, even if you don't do it. God, even if you don't take me out the furnace. God, even if you don't do it, King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm still not bowing down. If the flames come up and I feel something, I'm not running. Because I'm not living off my feelings. I'm living off my faith. And here's a new perspective, MBY, I want you to take. Not only is Jesus my defender and my deliverer, but come on, last point tonight, Jesus is enough. If I'm delivered or not, Jesus is enough. If he says, stay in the fire longer, I'm making you more beautiful. I'm saying, Lord, you're still enough for me. You got to say, Jesus is enough for me. Can you say that out loud tonight? Jesus is enough for me. Ooh, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? I was eating steaks the other day, the best steak of my life. I was going to add some salt, but I was like, nah, it's good by itself. I was going to add some pepper. I was like, nah, it's good by itself. I was going to add some A1. The server looked at me like, A1, put that thing down. It's disrespectful in this steakhouse. The A1 steak, A1. And he was like, weird. He's like, you're one, you know. What are you trying to add on to Jesus? Trying to add on a little bit of Buddha? 
Are you trying to add in a little bit of self-help? Trying to mix in other religions? Are you trying to add a consumerism perspective that America has breathed over you? God, give me, give me, give me. What are you trying to add to God? What are you trying to put on Jesus? Jesus, no, but you, you still do this. You still, you, Jesus is good all by himself. Woo, Jesus is enough for me. When a Christian gets to that place, to that perspective, come on, he's working all things for my good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm in it for a reason. If God has me here, I know you're watching me. I know you're delivering me. I know you're defending me. But if your plan right here is for me to stay in the fire, you're enough for me. In other words, the blessing isn't bigger than the person giving it. You're praying for something to happen. But man, we ought to start believing more in the God that can make it happen. Jesus is enough for me. Somebody say it again. Jesus is enough for me. And it's this perspective that the story changes. And they, they say all these things and they say, no, 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 God, if you don't, if you don't save us, if you don't deliver us from this furnace, it's going to get a little hot in here in like two minutes. But God, I want to let you know something. I'm going to see you in a couple minutes. I know that you're for me and not against me. I know that there's a heaven waiting for me. I'm not living based off this perspective, but I know that there's more. And I know that there's a home for me in heaven. Does anybody believe in Jesus? Anybody saved in here? Can you show me? Come on, we have a faith in God that when we die, there is something else coming. We have faith in Jesus that, Lord, even if it kills me, I just meet you sooner. Lord, if this literally is the end of my life, Lord, I know it's not over. I know I'm not finished. I know it's not done. I have a perspective of more. My eyes are higher. My eyes are off something bigger. My eyes are on you. Jesus, you're enough for me. Is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Can we read verse 19? Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. We're ending it off right here. Daniel chapter 9, sorry, chapter 3, verse 19. I'm doing it again, guys. You guys there? Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times harder than usual. He's like, you want to you bow to me? Hey, hey, buddy, turn it up seven times harder. Verse 20, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. 21. So these men wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Right? So three Hebrew boys come on with all their clothes on. Notice that the Bible mentions everything they got on. Come on, he had an Air Maxes. He had a shirt. He had a hat. Come on, he had a nice Gucci belt. Come on. They looked stylish walking in there. But can I tell you, don't miss the point where it says that they were in bondage, that they were wrapped up by something. Something was holding them down, right? And isn't that the will of God sometimes to allow things to get the best of us so that he can show that he's the best of all? And in verse 21, these men wearing their robes, trousers, and turban, Shop that turban outfitters. Um, waiting all week for that. Another clothes they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Verse 22, stay with me. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who threw them in. 
23, these three men firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace, and then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They said, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. So the three boys got out of the fire. Can I tell you the perspective made way to the presence of God? The perspective of God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to work in my life. It looks like a dead end. And Lord, even if you don't do it, I got a perspective that you're for me and that you're enough. Man, can I tell you that perspective in your lowest of lows, when you prayed, God, I guess you're not doing it. When you prayed, God, I guess this is it for me. I guess you're not going to change anything. I guess you want to change me. I guess you're not going to move anything. I think you want to move me. It's that perspective that made way for Jesus to be with them in the furnace. Come on, they see three men, but now they see a fourth that looks like the son of God are you in bondage maybe the fire is the only thing that's gonna burn the burn the ropes off your hands Woo, are you in bondage maybe it's the flames that God allows you to go through that's gonna leave your hands free Woo, Jesus my perspective on you makes way for your presence that's why we can't come into church and think that God's not moving. We can't come into church and think God's not here. You're seeing things how they are. You need to get to a new perspective. That even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's moving. Right? The Wednesday drive to work. Right? Tomorrow. And you're like, God, are you really here in this car? Are you really here? You're not here. I need lights to hear you. I need Christian singing to hear your presence. I need the worship team. I need haze, right? I need an environment to feel your presence. Man, that's the wrong perspective. You need a new perspective, right? That God, you're right here right now with me in this car, and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to put on some music, and my I might have the time of my life. They may look at me like I'm stupid at a red light, right? Like, what is this guy doing? Why is he singing? Right? What the heck's going on? But they don't know that I'm seeing things in a different way. I got a new perspective. I'm seeing things in a different light. And I'm worshiping my God. Your perspective will make way for Jesus to step into your situation. Your perspective. You got to change the way you're seeing things. You got to get close and down with God. I said, God, I know you're working when I don't see you working. I know that you're for me even when I can't even see it. I got to believe it. Let's go through all the points tonight. Jesus is my defender. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is enough. And my perspective makes way for the presence. Amen.